0: Reading this morning is from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 42 through 52. You can find the, the words in the um, ESV translation in, in your bulletins. Hear the Word of God. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath... And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing, and the leading men of the cities stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father God, we ask that you would uh, speak a word to us this morning. We thank you for these testimonies of of your dealings with your people in times past. We ask that uh, these ancient words would come to life for us today. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen, amen. Um, so let me just throw out four, uh, basic truths that I'm going to be lifting up, uh, in this sermon just to alert you, uh, to, to what's coming down the pike. And then uh, we'll take a little, uh, closer look at the, uh, at both the text in Acts chapter three and also, uh, our reading from Isaiah. So here are four points I want us to capture this morning. First. Almost all church fights are about human power and control and not about God's truth. Almost all church fights are about human power and control and not about God's truth. Number two, God's truth will provoke either anger or joy. God's truth will provoke either anger or joy. Number three... The people of God are a covenant community, but God's plan of salvation reaches beyond that community. And number four, the day of salvation is today. So four points I'd like to lift up to you uh, this morning as we take a a closer look uh, in in our text. Uh, Back there on that uh, music stand where the bulletins are there's also uh the text in the easy reading version which is a a translation that i've been attracted to lately uh it it didn't land in the main bulletin and so i then went back and uh revised my notes to go according to uh the esc which is our pew bibles uh but that translation is back there for you, and I probably will use it next week. It's a, I find it a very plain speaking uh, translation that uh, people have a, 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 an easy time uh, wrapping their minds around. So let's take a look at this passage. You can open your uh, Bibles to Acts chapter 13, or you can uh, have it there open uh, uh, for you uh, in your bulletins. We read in verse 42, As they... This would be Paul and Barnabas and maybe some companions as they, Paul and Barnabas, went out of the synagogue. You remember that they are in a city called Antioch Pisidia. right. Now there are two Antiochs, which is a little bit confusing. Uh, they had, Paul and, uh, and Barnabas had actually left from Antioch on their first missionary journey. They had gone to Cyprus, they had traveled in Cyprus, and then they've returned back to the mainland. So they're back in Turkey now, and they're in a different city, not the city that sent them, but they're in a different city, and it happens to also have the name Antioch, which can be a little bit confusing. So as Paul and Barnabas went out from the synagogue in Antioch, Pisidia, the people who had been with them in the synagogue begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. Last week, we worked through the sermon that Paul delivered in, uh, in the synagogue there in Antioch. Uh, Paul and, and Barnabas have shown up. They're visitors in the city. Uh, they've gone to the regular worship service at the local synagogue. Uh, the Torah has been read. The prophets have been read. And Paul has been invited to come forward uh, to give a word of exhortation. And he does give a word of exhortation. Uh, and what we so what we have there uh, in the first part of Acts chapter 13 is the first recorded sermon of the Apostle Paul. The first recorded sermon of the Apostle Paul. This is also at the beginning of his missionary uh, journeys. Now so this caused quite a stir. Uh, in in the synagogue, what Paul preached was that Jesus was a, was a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecies. Paul is, was simply illuminating the truth that lay present the whole time there in the Old Testament about the Messiah, about the Messiah that was to come, about the Messiah who was the fulfillment of the promises to King David and who would rule on the throne of King David, and showing that this man that. The prophets had looked forward to, in fact, was Jesus of Nazareth, whom they would have heard about, who was executed there in Palestine about 10 years earlier. All right. So they begged them to come back the next Sabbath. Verse 43. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas. So what you see here is really the beginning of discipleship. To be a follower of Jesus is to follow him around day by day. There's the implication here that Paul and Barnabas leave the synagogue, they leave the place of public worship, and they spend the rest of the week with these people. Maybe they were invited into their house, maybe they uh, uh, ate meals together, But what what we recognize here is is that there's an ongoing conversation outside of the context of public worship between the apostle and these people who are becoming disciples of Christ. Now, one of the things that we have focused on here in this church is is that there are two elements of our Christian walk. One is to be in worship on Sunday. The Sabbath comes once a week. We gather for worship. We worship Almighty God corporately. It's a part of being this uh, royal priesthood. Uh, and we have, the church has been created to give uh, worship to God on a regular basis, which is what we do here. Point number one. Point number two is, but then we gather in each other's houses through the course of the week. This is what we do in our small group Bible studies. The discipleship goes on outside of this room. If you're only being fed here in this room, You're on a starvation diet, okay? Everybody who's in this church needs to be plugged into at least one small group Bible study. Some of you are plugged into two and three, which is great. All right. Uh, By the way, the men's prayer breakfast fired back up yesterday. We met uh, in the Boyer. We met socially distanced. We we had we it was byob, bring your own breakfast, which was kind of a weird anti-social breakfast, but that's the best we could do in the time of COVID. But so we, we all came in with our Dunkin' Donuts stuff. Uh, and, and we were able to look at the word of God together. We need to be in those kinds of small groups with one another. It's great that you're in worship on Sunday morning, but during the course of the week, you need to be finding uh, that kind of companionship and that kind of fellowship. And we see that going on here. Paul and Barnabas leave the place of public worship, but the conversation is still going on. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. That's the, that's the discipleship. Okay, So preaching and discipleship go together. Corporate worship on a Sunday morning, absolutely essential. And small group uh, instruction uh, in the course of the week. Verse 44. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Well, a couple of things I want you to notice here. Notice that phrase gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Now, in this case, they're not talking about the Torah and the prophets which of course would have been read in the synagogue every, uh, every Sabbath day, what they're referring to here is the preaching of Paul. We see the recognition in Scripture that the preaching of Paul is Scripture. The preaching of Paul is the word of the Lord. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear Paul preach, which has been called here the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. One of the things that you'll discover uh, in church life is, is that there can be jealousies and contention in the life of the church. The church is... Uh, is still undergoing sanctification okay the church is made up of sinners we are a fellowship of sinners here at Huntington Valley Presbyterian Church and one of the sin habits that we drag along with us is jealousy jealousy is always about power and control jealousy is always about getting things our own way the Jews who are upset with Paul preaching in the synagogue at Antioch Pisidia are upset with him because they feel like they're losing control. This had been their synagogue. And now all of a sudden it's packed. And it's packed with all kinds of people from the city. It's diluting their power. You will be amazed at how small churches will be unhappy when people come into them because as people come into it, my power in the church is diminished. It's diluted. All All of a sudden the synagogue is packed to the brim with people coming in and the people who had been in control are not happy about it. Now, one of the places where you see this at the very beginning of the gospel story is when the wise men come to Herod. You remember the story, the wise men travel to find the newborn king of the Jews and they go to the existing king Herod naively and say, well, where is he? And Herod's response to that is to kill all of the baby boys, all the boys under the age of two in the village where Jesus was to have been born. He is jealous for his power and control. He doesn't want to see his power and control handed over to another. 99% of church fights are about power and control, not about the Word of God. Well, I mean, in my experience here, I've been here 16 years, I haven't experienced any fights in this church that had to do with the truth of God. They all had to do with how we're going to use this room, whether or not we have wingscoting, what hymns we're going to sing, uh, what will be our procedures for dealing with COVID. Never about the word of God. Always about power and about control. Jealousy, it's, it's part of our sin nature and it remains in the life of the church. And we see it here in this synagogue. Paul and, Paul and Barnabas show up. They're bringing the greatest news that's come to this town ever. And the people who should have been most receptive to it are unhappy about it because it diminishes their power and control. Verse 46, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you to you Jews since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life behold we are turning to the Gentiles Now, I find this verse very very scary this idea that The word of God could come to you and you resist the word of God and so you lose the word of God. I find it very frightening. In the NIV of Genesis 6, 3, we hear God say, my spirit will not contend with humans forever. God doesn't force himself on us. And when that gospel comes to us, we need to respond to that gospel because we don't know if we'll have another opportunity to hear the gospel. When you hear the gospel in a way that it convicts you that the light goes on in your mind and in your spirit that I need to do something about this, that's when you need to respond to it because you may not have another moment like that. The word of God comes to these packed synagogue at Antioch they have this opportunity to grab hold of of this great truth and and they turn it away and so the good news goes to someone else not worthy of eternal life if you have your bibles open up to uh matthew chapter 22 i want to give you a little insight into this word unworthy here and it really is a a place where the same idea of the message coming and being rejected will be taken to someone else. Matthew 22 I'll read there at the beginning this is a, a parable that Jesus tells about the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son And sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who were invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business. While the rest seized the servants, treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed these murderers and burned their cities. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. The message came to people, they were privileged to hear this, And because their ears were blocked up, I don't know, by the busyness of the world, by the importance of advancing their career, there was, they had other things to do. They couldn't, they couldn't go to the banquet. The king says they're unworthy of the offer that's been made to them. Since you have thrust aside and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we are turning to the Gentiles. It's a scary, Scary idea. The day of salvation is always today. It's never tomorrow because we don't know if we will hear again from the Lord. Verse 47. For so the Lord has commanded us, this is Paul speaking, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. So he's gone to the Jew first as is appropriate, and as is his pattern. Each city that he goes to, he begins his preaching in the synagogue, and then at some point he leaves the synagogue and he goes out into the marketplace. He goes out into the place where the pagans are. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the end of the earth. And here the Apostle Paul is in fact quoting... From Isaiah chapter 49, which was our first reading. So I would I would invite you either to turn over there um, or you have it there in your bullets. So I want to take a, a closer look because uh, Paul's message now is based entirely upon Isaiah chapter 49. So let's just work uh, down through that really quickly. Listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention to me, you people from afar. Now... The coastlands is, uh, just an image in Hebrew for a really far away place. And you people afar, again, for people who are far away. So this is a, this is a way of the prophet saying, listen to me, you people who are not Jews. Listen to me, you people who are not part of the household of God. Alright? The prophet is the, the man of God who speaks the word of God to the people of God. But here is a case where the prophet is speaking the word of God to people who are outside of the household of God, who are outside of the covenant community. Listen to me, give attention. The Lord has called me, and we can think about who the me here is. This is a multidimensional me. Has called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named uh, my name. So the calling of the prophet is uh, God's act On the life of that individual from the time that he is in the womb, human life begins before birth, it it is present in the womb. And God placed a calling, a special purpose on the life of this individual. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me a polished arrow in his quiver, he hid me. You remember, of course, the, the, uh, the description of, of the word of God from this is Hebrews uh, chapter 4. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. The, the man of God speaks the word of God. And so his tongue is sharp. He's like a sharpened sword. He's like a polished arrow. The word of, the, of God is the living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of the spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's uh, Hebrews uh, 4.12. Okay, so this is the calling of this individual that he's going to be this one who speaks in this way. And then in verse 3, And he, God, said to me, You are my servant Israel in whom I will be glorified. Now, it's... It's Isaiah who's speaking here, but he names his name here as Israel, which could be the whole people of God. We'll see how this prophecy is, in fact, pointing very specifically to Jesus. And then the apostle Paul picks up on it and says, this doesn't only apply to Jesus. It also applies to the apostles who follow from Jesus. Verse 4, but I said, I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing and vanity, yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense is with God. It's a regular complaint among the prophets in the Old Testament that they're talking but nobody's listening. If they're lucky, sometimes they listen and they kill them, right? Okay. And so there's this despair here on the part of the prophet. He's been ordained by God to bring the word of God to the people of God. But he feels like all of his work has been for naught. It didn't didn't produce anything. Uh, I I used all of my strength and nothing resulted. And so my only hope is to just trust that God will give me my fair return. Even though I can't see it with my eye. I've labored in vain. Surely my right is with the Lord. Then in verse 5. And the Lord says, he who formed me from the womb womb to be his servant, to Jacob, bring him back, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. So all of you know the the kind of the rhythm of the Old Testament of God calling a special people to himself, God blessing them and endowing them with the word of God and with kings and with uh, right worship, and then going astray. Okay. They're the people of God, and they have these special privileges, these covenant privileges. Okay. And a, a covenant is the, uh, is the contract that God makes with His people. And the covenant community involves not just us, but our children. So all of the descendants of, of Abraham are bound up within the covenant. God calls Abraham, but in Abraham, God also calls The children of Abraham and the pattern throughout the Old Testament is is that they wander away. And so the prophets are then sent out to round them up. Come back, come back. If you read through the prophets, so the first five books, you have the Torah, you have the, the word of God, the law of God given to the people of God. And then in the, in the prophets, you have the prophets who are the preachers to the nation who were constantly preaching the Torah and saying, here's what God wants us to do. Come on back. Let's, let's get back to where we belong. Here's what you're doing. Here's what the word of God says. Let's get these things in line. Okay. This is the, the role of the prophet is to call the people of God back to God, to bring Jacob back to God, to bring Israel, to gather Israel to him. Two names for uh, the descendants uh, of Abraham, Jacob and Israel. Okay. So one of the primary functions of the prophet is to be endlessly gathering the people of God, the covenant people of God, okay? Those are the people who are committed to the life of God and their children. We recognize that God's promises are to us and to our children. These are the members of the covenant. And we, like sheep, are always wandering away. And so the function of the church and the function of the prophets in the church is to be constantly gathering people back who were who are part of the covenant community. I think one of the things that we have to think about is who is part of our covenant community who's wandered away. A lot of us have people in our lives... Who were raised in the church, but who are not in the church. They've had all of the special privileges and blessings of being descendants of Abraham. They're like those people in the synagogue. They, they've received the, the word of God. They've heard it since they were young. They were raised in the faith. Maybe they professed faith at some point. Where are they? What's become of them? It's part of the work of the church to never lose sight of these people and to continue to contend for them. Now, God says He won't contend forever. My life isn't forever, but as long as I'm alive, I'm going to continue to contend for those souls. Okay, People who were part of the covenant community who have wandered off from the covenant community. That's Isaiah's primary calling not his largest calling, but his first calling to bring Jacob back to gather Israel. Okay, that's in in the in verse 5. Let me continue in verse 5. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord and God has become my strength. He says, now I'm in verse 6, He says, God says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. There's a new instruction here. God is saying to the prophet, he'll also be saying to Jesus, he'll also be saying to the church, to the apostles, that it's not enough that your job would be to round up the tribes, to to round up the covenant community. It's great when the church takes care of its own. It's great when we've got Sunday school programs and we're raising our kids in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's great when we keep that covenant community together, but it's not everything. And in fact, God here says it's too light a thing. Let's press on in verse 6. I will make you a light for the nations. Well, nations is just code for unsaved people nations is just code for all those who are not in the church this is code for non-jews there's jews and then there's the nations okay i will make you a light to the nation it's too light of a thing that you're just going to take care of your own it's too light of a thing for the church just to take care of the church i'm going to make you a light to the nations i'm going to allow you to bring His salvation, God's salvation, to the ends of the earth. This is the grand calling of the prophet and of the church. Yes, the church must take care of its own. Yes, the church needs to fret over the children of the covenant community. But you know what? There's even something bigger that's going on here. All right? And that is bringing the light of Christ to the ends of the earth. Now let's go back to our Acts passage. This is the verse that the Apostle Paul quotes in reference to himself. I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. This is Paul's response to the rejection of the gospel by the people of God. Paul goes to the church first, you might say. He goes to the synagogue first. He goes to the people of God first, to the covenant community first, and he presents them with the gospel. And a good number of them said, well, we're not interested in that. That's going to reduce our power and our influence in the world. We're going to stick with what we were doing before. And Paul says, fine. You've proven that you're unworthy. So we're going to take this to those other people. Now, Something that I think is hard for us to understand as Gentiles is how mm, uh, disgusting Gentiles are to Jews. Okay, so if you're a Jewish person, a faithful, observant Jewish person, Gentiles are unclean. I mean, these are like kind of nasty people who are living in nasty ways. And the idea that your precious faith is going to be taken off to those other people. And when the Gentiles heard this, this is at verse 48, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, the preaching that they've heard. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standings and the leading men of the cities, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of the district But Paul and Barnabas shook the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. Let me go back to where I began. Almost all church fights are about human power and control and not about God's truth. I I have yet to see one, in this church at least, that was truly a theological fight. We've, We've not had any theological fights in this church. Secondly, God's truth provokes either anger or joy. The people who rejected what Paul was preaching, they were really unhappy with him. There's a virtual riot going on in this synagogue. But the other people who got to hear, they're overjoyed. Number three, the people of God are a covenant community. They're born into certain promises. But God's plan of salvation goes beyond that community. Thanks be to God if you had Christian parents but you know what? The, the good news is also for people who didn't have Christian parents. Okay, they're, in, they're invited into the community too. And finally, the day of salvation is today. We never know when God will stop calling us. It is a process by which God draws us to himself. The lights begin to go on and we begin to realize we have a problem, but we're required to respond to the gospel, to choose Christ, to admit our need for Christ. And some people get stuck at that point. They realize there's a problem here. They realize that their lives are out of sorts, but they're not willing to take that humbling step of saying, you know, God, I can't do this. I really need your help. The danger is that God will just move on and stop calling them, okay? So if you're in that place where you understand your need for Christ, you understand Christ's love for you, you understand that you are a fallen sinner in need of a Savior, but haven't chosen him yet, I encourage you to do that while you can because you don't know when that door will close, today is always the day of salvation let us pray father god we honor you and adore you and we thank you for brother paul's preaching in that synagogue and we thank you that some people came to know you lord we thank you that your word is true that you've preserved it for us lord i pray that you give us ears to hear and wills that are able to respond to your call in our lives